Welcome to Right Now Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, Kitty Buholtz, and this is episode 32, Creating Characters Readers Adore, an interview with Lorraine Snelling. Now, just a quick note, I'm so sorry for anybody who normally watches these on YouTube instead of listens to the audio only. We had some technical difficulties and could not get the video and the audio to both record. So I'm afraid we've got audio only this week, but Lorraine is an awesome teacher. You're going to love everything that she has to say, and it's always fun to get a new take on a familiar subject. So whether you're a new writer or you're long established, I think that you're going to find some fun tips in uh, in Lorraine's talk today. And be sure to check out the show notes to get any links that she talks about. I'll link up to books that she mentions, and show notes can always be found at podcast.rightnowworkshop.com. All right, and here we go with the show. Hello, everyone. Today's guest is Lorraine Snelling. Award-winning and best-selling author Lorraine Snelling has over 80 books published with sales of 4.5 million. Her original dream was to write horse books for children. Today, she writes inspirational adult novels about real issues centered on themes like forgiveness, loss, domestic violence, and cancer in both contemporary and historical genres. Lorraine enjoys helping others reach their writing dreams by teaching at writers' conferences across the country. Welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you. I mean, partially because, unbelievably, (laughs) we've known each other long enough. You're actually my first writing teacher ever. And good friend, huh? Yes. Yes, because I love you. (laughs) Yeah, so we met at the Glorietta Christian Writers Conference in 1997 or 8 or something like that. One of the things that I remember most was uh, you talking about character. I remember the very first time that I heard you speak, you had all the ladies open their purses and the men open their wallets, and we did this ridiculously fun exercise together. So I thought maybe you could talk to us about characters today. I would love to do that. That's my my favorite topic. (laughs) when I first started writing um well first of all I love to read I mean that's and so wanting to write was um just kind of an extension of that loving to read and I always loved characters that I could remember and and when I look back and I think of those that I that I have some of them are from way way long time ago and so the first class that I took on fiction Um, was with Colleen Reese at Warner Pacific. And she approached um, teaching characters with a character chart that I have extended and changed and adapted and through the years. And that's what I've used for years. I don't use it so much now, but I, per se, but, you know, as a fill in the blanks, but I follow the information that's on it because it's so valuable. And the first rule of thumb is know your characters. And people think, well, I know their name and I know what they look like and I've got a picture of them and all those things. But no, I'm talking about intrinsically because the big question that you're going to have to be working on is why. Why do these people do the things they do? And until you know that, your characters are going to be cardboard. And the editors will go, eh, well, that's uh, just another beginning writer. And it doesn't have to be that way. And there's some incredibly beginning writers out there these days because they've taken the time to learn to know their characters. 
One of the things is that there's kind of two, two forms. There's plot-driven and there's character-driven books. Well, I believe they're only character-driven books because that, those are the ones I mostly read. But mysteries and thrillers don't need as much character development because it's what happens in the story that's so important. But for everything else, it's got to be who are these people and why would anyone want to read their story? Yeah. I have to say, though, the, the mysteries um, that have the same protagonists throughout like a series, I like them much more if the character is really interesting. I agree. And that's why I say, as far as I'm concerned, it's all of them need <laughs> characters. And so I still recommend and that people develop and use um, a character chart because it's something you can go back to. Now, today, most people or a lot of people put them all on the screen and they do it that way. But I find that I develop characters better with a paper and a pencil and a clipboard. And I start filling in the blank. I start thinking about who is this person? Because you not only need to know who this person is, but you know who he or she is. You have to know their family. You have to know their background. You have to know where they live. What do they do? All of those things play a part in creating good characters. It isn't just that person. Yeah, I have to admit, I've written several characters who, for quite a bit of the first draft, appeared to be only children or orphans. <laughs> <laughs> those are the kinds of things you find out, yeah. So what I, I suggest is that, okay, start with the easy stuff, which is, what do they look like? You know, what is their name? When were they born? Oh, well, when were they born? Well, what was going on in the world when they were born? Because ah. that's going to help create what molded that character. And so if, if the, like, I was born in, during a war, I was going to say which one, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I was born during, during a war. Well, most, and I didn't know this until, you know, I was middle-aged probably. But so many children born during that time had separation, had um, abandonment issues because we didn't have a dad. You know, ah. my dad would show up once in a while and then we wouldn't see him. So an automatic thing was abandonment issues. And when I learned that, I, you know, as I learned more about myself, and by the way, that's one of the most important character charts you'll ever fill out is the one about yourself. All right. And you'll, you could spend the rest of your life filling out that character chart. <laughs> But so you start with, you know, what, who are they, the kinds of things, what color are they? Now, if you say blue eyes, come on. Too many people have blue eyes. What kind of blue? What are, they, are their eyes round? Are they almond shaped? Probably not if they're blue. <laughs> but um, those kinds of things. This is not something that you're filling in the blanks for a test. This is filling, this is filling the information to help you begin to create a picture of that character. Right. And so you start with that, the, those, and then you start, well, what are they doing? You know, it depends on what age they are. Are they already in a career? Um, do they not have a career? If not, good old question, why not? So you why and why not everything as you're going through this, trying to create a character that readers are going to relate to and not only relate to, but want to read more about them and want to know them. And I am best known for a character named Ingeborg Bjorklund. And she um, showed up, well, showed up. I created her in the first book of the Red River series. 
And she's been in all of the books ever since. And I think we're up to 21 or 22 now. Wow. We've seen her life from the time she was um, 17, because I did a prequel and went back and, and talked about her life in Norway. So this is the character that people keep referring to. And they keep saying, well, you know, Ingeborg of the Blessing series. And so I know that what I talk about and what I do can work because I've seen it in action. Right. Ingeborg is my hero and she's, you know, she's, I'm going to be like her when I grow up. (laughs) It'll be all better then. (laughs) So you're creating this character or these characters because you don't have to do just one. You know, you've always got to have, I mean, if you just have one character, you've got a pretty boring story. Right. And so you put, you know, you create several, but your first two characters are the ones you spend, you know, the hero and the heroine or the hero and the, and the antagonist is always a fun one to write, except I don't write evil very well. So I get help. (laughs) So once you know what they're beginning to know what they're looking like, and it helps for a lot of people to get pictures and put them up on a bulletin board. That's not something that, that I've done much of, um, but it works for some people. And then you go into the emotional side of your character. And so you're going to need the emotional side, the spiritual side, the intellectual side, all of this because you've been working first on the physical because that's the easiest. Right. So as you create this character and you get to know them better and better, hopefully they're going to become one of your very best friends. And I have promised people I will not kill off Ingeborg. Um, she will, you know, fade into the sunset, but I will never write that scene. Aw, so she's not going to die of old age on the page. <laughs> no, she's not going to. Uh, so, but when you're creating, so then when you're creating the character, okay, what kind of sense of humor do they have? Well, they better have some kind because people that don't have a sense of humor are pretty much boring. Yeah. What kind of idiosyncrasies does this character have? Some, what is the... What's the name of the of the person who um, uh, always uh, um, messes up words? Uh. Oh, right. Well, anyway, that's normal. Okay, <laughs> but I love to do that, and so I've been collecting through the years people's crazy ways of messing up uh, messing up words. Ah. And usually, when somebody that does that, the word means something else, and it's just hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what is what is your um, character's well emotional, and too many people leave out the spiritual, right? And not only because I write in the inspirational market, but because that's part of us as human beings. The spiritual is as important as the others. So you um, you determine those things. Now, if you think I'm going to sit down and I'm going to fill this character out in a couple hours and I'll be all done, well, surprise, it doesn't <laughs> work that way. And I, when I was filling them out religiously, um, I would take that clipboard with me. And if I had some extra time, just be sitting there and, you know, noodle on another question. Why are they doing what they're doing? Who are their parents? Who is their family? One of the biggest mistakes I made in the Red River series was I didn't give them enough children. (laughs) Who knew that this series was going to go on so long? (laughs) going to need more children so um but i did have a good reason of why there were no more children so it it worked yeah um 
so then once you're creating those and you've got the family and you know where they live, houses are very important, by the way. What kind of house do they live in? How many houses have they lived in? Is their father in the military? They've been all over the world. Those kinds of things. What does her father's job makes a big difference in us when we're growing up. Right. And I grew up on part, part of my life on farms and you can't take the farming out of the girl anymore <laughs> yeah. than the boy. So um, that's made a big difference in who I am. Now, what are their hobbies? Do they love animals? If they don't love animals, I don't really want to talk to them. <laughs> Somebody said one day, oh, Lorraine, you must love animals. And I thought, well, what was your first clue? Just because there's a bunch of them in every book. <laughs> but that's, again, part of it. And by uh, just a, a hint that makes it even more fun. If you want, when, and you better put humor in your book, because even Shakespeare has that's the relaxing for the reader and um, children and animals can create the best humor anywhere you don't even have to work at it so, awesome. that when, so now okay you've got this character now what is her immediate family let's say we're talking about a woman is she married does she have children what does her husband do what does she do um, what does she not like to do you know what is it she hates above all things or dislikes we're not supposed to hate. Um, <laughs> it be, and when you're creating them, it, it keeps on going like that. Now you're beginning to get to the point of why is my character doing what she's doing? Because you know, and, well, and a case in point, one time I, I was trying to figure out, um, I had a horse and I had a, a character and the horse reared, knocked the character, uh, knocked the, that hero down. The, the heroine came to the rescue and I had her whip off the bandana from around his neck. And I was trying to think, well, what color would he wear? And my friend said, well, just don't put a banana, bandana on him. Why did you do that? I said, because she's got to staunch the blood. Yeah. So, yes. And for him, it was a very important part of his being. Yeah. So you have to know what the other person's going to look like, too. And um, if it's now you're going to give her good friends and family and you better give her somebody she doesn't like. Right. Now, why doesn't she like it? Because and there again, why, 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 why? <laughs> Whying everything as you're writing this. You know, I'm thinking about uh, all, all these questions and stuff and um you know, a lot of times you, you begin to pull the beginning of an idea off of, you know, somebody that you know, or something that you saw or right, right. something in your own life. And all the things that you're saying, I'm like, okay, so if I answered all those, now I'm beginning to understand why you do this to yourself. If I answered all those questions for myself, I think it would give me a ton more ideas about how to make my character even more interesting. <laughs> like my sister owns this horse called Jack. And Jack is really, really cute. But if you get very close to him, the first thing he wants to do is bite you. Apparently, he doesn't bite hard, but I am not a fan of horses who bite, no matter how nice they are otherwise. <laughs> or dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if a dog bites, why? No, right. horse bites. Why? What happened in his life? So there you are off on another why journey. <laughs> and trying to figure these things out because it's going to make a difference when you tell, when you start on the story. Now, one of the good things to do sometimes for all of this, and I have uh, people who are the really dedicated ones, and they go back and they just start telling the character's life story. I have not taken the time to do that precisely, but when you're writing a book, you're not gonna put the whole story in, but whatever 
you do put in is going to be based on something that happened earlier in that character's life. And this is where you pull things from your life, like you just said. Uh, you've, what happened to you? What made you angry? Well, you know what anger feels like. So one of the things you need to say, why does this, what does this character do when they're angry? Are they one that just go freezes or are they a screamer? And if they are, you know, why, you yeah. know, my parents, you know, didn't know how to know how to solve things without yelling at each other. <laughs> and I thought, you know, as a kid growing up, I thought, well, I, they didn't like me because you know all that. No, it was their pattern. But if you grow up with that, guess what? you're probably going to be doing the same thing or else you'll go so far the opposite. But this right. is what your character will do, will do too. So the more time you spend getting to know people, the better your writing is going to be because your characters are key in the story. So once you get that, you're getting more and more you know about it. And then the biggest question of all is what do they want? Right. Okay, now if they just want to go down to the ice cream store, that's not what we're talking about. What is it that they want to do with their life? What is it that they really, really want so bad that it never leaves them? Now, you know, one might be um, a home. Okay, if this has been a, a character whose father was in the military, she's never had a home, never had a permanent home. Why does she want a permanent home? because she doesn't know how what a pain act can be at times, but, <laughs> um, but that's what she wants. Now, what if she wants that home in a different place? The, the, all of those kinds of things, but the more life-threatening and the more life-changing that supreme goal, the better your story is going to be. Because then the next, and this is what leads into the plotting, is what does that character want? When I was, when I was learning to write, um, people, in, um, Colleen had impressed on me and other people did too, like Lee Roddy and some of my wonderful heroines, heroes from my early days, kept saying to read, be all, reading all of these other books on writing. And one of the one, two, well, two that I found were by Robert Newton Peck. And they are still the books that I recommend more than any others for, for, for writing and part for writing fiction, especially, but you know, nonfiction needs good characters too, in many things, but yeah. books are the secrets of successful fiction and fiction is folks. And I have read parts of them in my classes because they're hysterical. <laughs> And, and, they, and that's one good reason, way, way that we remember them. If something's really funny, we have a tendency to remember it. Or if something's really tragic, we have a tendency to remember it. Right. And so I go back to those every once in a while and read them again. I think they're out of print now. But he said about knowing your characters. And one of the things, I think it was him that said, you know, check, the, check their closet. And this is why we, I said their purse or they're billfold because in all those three things, you're going to learn the same things. Is the person organized or are they not? Now I am not, I'm a sanguine. Sanguines don't come organized. We have to <laughs> learn it all. And, and so I love creating characters like that. The first time I saw an organized closet where things were color coded 
I rolled on the floor laughing because I <laughs> why bother something bad that or 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 alphabetize your spices? That'll be silly. Well, of course it makes good sense. You can find things easier that way. Right. But I learned that that's a, it's a an inherited tendency. It's a genetic thing. People are either organized or not. And you can learn it if you want to. But you don't, you know, if you don't want to, you don't. Well, I know I realized how much I needed it. So I gave myself permission to learn. Well, no, actually, people got tired of me being so unorganized. So they helped me do that. <laughs> um, but when you, when you have somebody, when I'm in a class and I have a man, both a man and a woman come up because it's so much fun and open up your purse and you can see right away whether if they're organized or not organized. And then you can begin to see how much they are organized, you know, how well they're organized. Because those perfection people, um, man, is that a character to create. The, the people that are so hung up on perfection that you want to kill them. <laughs> and maybe that's a good idea sometimes. That's, that's one of the things, you know, and that's one of the things about creating characters. If you really are upset with somebody, kill them off in a book. I mean, come on. <laughs> I heard about a fiction about a woman who was starting to write, had been through a terrible divorce and she wanted to write fiction and she wanted to write murder mysteries. And she wrote one and she killed him off. Husband, <laughs> you know, ex-husband. Well, by the time she'd written three of them, she was in good shape and she was, <laughs> you know, she was well on her way to becoming a well-established author. All on, you know, on his mean and nasty personality. That's so. Awesome. Those are the kinds of things because that set up the plots for her. So if you're, you know, looking at somebody's purse and everything is in its perfect little place and nothing is out of place, then you've got a pretty good idea of that personality. And, um, and it's the same with a guy's wallet. What all, if they're, you know, if the wallet's three inches thick, I, I have a tendency to exaggerate, but um, <laughs> be real uncomfortable to sit on. <laughs> But that tells you, um, and are they, do they look ahead? Are they prepared for that? And, but that's the purpose of doing it. But, oh my gosh, some of the things we've found in people's purses and in men's billfolds. Um, <laughs> and it entertained the class and royally. So that's part of creating a character. You have to get to know them. Well, you know, that kind of situation. Something else that I do that is so important is I watch people. Yeah. And as a, as a fiction writer, keep your eyes open. I mean, you need to do this for all writers. Jack London said that um, it takes six months in a lifetime to write a book. <laughs> not a computer either. But, um, but he's still right. I mean, it's, it takes so much time because you draw on everything that's gone on in your life. And you have no idea what it is you're going to need at what time when you're, writing, when you're creating characters. And so I watch people and I watch them walk. You know, if you learn to watch people walk, you can again tell a great deal about them. You know, the person really? with a really self-confident um, person that just strides out. Ah, yeah. And you can tell. And then, you know, the cocky, the cocky walk. Um, all of those kinds of things tell you about your character. Now, what if somebody is limping? Well, why are they limping? Yeah. So often it's a back problem or oh. it could be a leg or foot problem, but um, you, you learn to watch and you pay attention. 
Yeah. Okay. This is really interesting. You know, I run in the mornings and uh, there's a elementary school and a high school on my running route. Um, I live in a little neighborhood. So, and I was thinking the other day, I, you know, I have a tendency to say hello or, you know, nod good morning or whatever to anybody who, uh, who happens to look up. And there's a couple of high school boys that I wouldn't think would. And every time I say good morning to them, they have a big smile and say good morning. And I think, oh, I really like these kids. And then I passed this other high school girl and her shoulders were all hunched and she was taking really tiny, fast steps. And she just looked like she was trying to stay inside of herself so no one would see her, or at least that's how I perceived her. And I haven't been able to get her out of my head because I guess I've been thinking about characters. That's right. And you do that. Um, and give yourself assignments um, when, you're, when you're creating things. Because, and, and I did one of mine one time, we were in a business meeting and, and um, it was boring and God help us when it gets boring when I'm around. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I, I gave myself an assignment you know, like, okay, you're outside. So study clouds today. What, what do they look like? How can you describe them? Well, my assignment in that very boring business meeting, and I was very, I was very cautious about this. I was not making a spectacle of myself, but my husband was next to me and he's very careful about not ever making a spectacle of himself. <laughs> and, and, but I was studying noses. Now look at people and see how many different kinds of noses there are. Chins are another fascinating thing. When they talk, you know, so I was doing Interesting. that. Yeah, it was fun <laughs> until I got poked in the side. And I heard, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I'm not nothing, you know, nothing. But, but it's fascinating when you go sit someplace in a public situation and study the people. Don't be, you know, don't make a, 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 a spectacle of yourself because they might throw you in the jail for obnoxious <laughs> behavior. But, uh, and, and when that would be an experience too. Well, that's true. That would be some research. <laughs> yeah. And, and I have to laugh because most writers that I know, they'll go through something bad and then they'll say, well, that could work well in a book sometime. <laughs> yeah. Because you have to be able to create the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. All yeah. of those things are part of life. And when you write fiction, you're writing about life. And that's why Jack London said it's, you know, it's a lifetime. Because you draw on everything that you've ever learned, done, seen, tasted, smelled, felt, right. whatever. Yeah. So that's why it's so important to know about the emotions of your character. And how do they act if, if they're really happy, how do they act? If they're scared, how do they act? If they're angry, how do they act? And the more you study people, the tests about personality, um, all of the um, studies that go on about personality and observation and and if you can get into a class on body language, do that too. Or there's videos, sure, but classes are always more fun as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. Um, but a, on body language, because we communicate who and what, who we are and what we think by our bodies. And we think, some of us, we think, well, I don't let people know. Well, baloney, everybody does that. Yeah. 
and police, you know, police and, and military and all of those are given classes in studying body language so that they can determine when somebody is lying is often the main thing. And so we do, the body does certain things when it's not telling the truth. And the <laughs> one, they can't look you in the eye. Well, some people that are, some of the really truly evil people have really trained themselves to be able to look you in the eye and lie like a rug. So, and that's a cliche, by the way, don't use it. <laughs> so when you're creating all of this stuff, goes into creating your people on the page and yeah. that's what they have to be they have to be people on a page and if you can make those people on the page walk off that those pages and take up a place in somebody in some reader's heart you've got it but the yeah. first reader you have to lasso and hold draw in is going to be an editor well, it has to be your beginning readers, too, that you have help you with the book. A book is never a one-person gig. It's always a community effort, a good book. Right. And they will draw. But if you don't get grab their attention right away, um, no, it's, you won't have to worry about grabbing readers' attention. Right. And so creating characters that people are going to remember is um, a big job. It's a big job. It's an ongoing job. Oh, and I forgot something. You have to give them a name that means something. Okay. Um, in the Bible, um, God always gave his people different names. And Indian tribes have always done that too. And like some of the Native Americans, it's, it, based, the name is based on what was going on when the child was born. So there's a lot of all different nationalities and countries and cultures name people differently but if you can come up with a name that um can tell you about that character you know an obvious one for an evil person would be there went my mind okay um like cain or something like that well it could be cain it could be you know diablo i've named a horse diablo he's right. black and he was a he was a devil <laughs> and it's a word for devils. So that kind of thing. But when you're renaming your characters, and and like so many, a lot of my, uh, an editor told me one time, Lorraine, you'll be wise if you name if you put a, a Norwegian in every book that you write. And I have done that because it was very wise advice. Because the series that I've done is starts in Norway and with Norm with immigrants coming to this country in the late in 1880s. And was the advice so that any book that you write, if it did well, you could make it into a series? Was that why? No, it was just because that is a niche marketing tool. Okay. And I, it, 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 you know, a certain readership is going to, you have Norwegian readers and they're going to say, oh, I found this book that somebody knows about Norwegians. Well, and then it goes on beyond Scandinavians. Well, it's gone way beyond that. You know, immigrants, it's um, homesteading. It's all those things that I wrote about in the beginning of the Red River series. And now I'm up to writing on 1914, I think, when I do the next one. Wow. So, yeah, it's crammed a lot of them in. But so all the way through so much of that as I created the characters, um, again, it was finding names. But when you're creating characters with a foreign name, you um, 
you have to tell people how it's pronounced because they like to know that. Yeah, uh, Ingeborg's name is in your bio, but I was not going to even try to read her name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But um, so again, and like, when you put people with that kind of a thing, it's nice to have a glossary or a, a list of characters. And I have it up on my website now, how to pronounce the characters. Oh, and, that's cool. Yeah, because, and maps, those guys, oh yeah, another thing, maps are really important when you're planning your book because you have to be able to write about where, where it's going to be. And a quick clue there is, uh, much easier if you write about a town and you you create the town create you know put it by some bigger town that's great so that you can you know people can see what the territory is like but if you put it in a real town you have to know everything about that town and yeah. if you put a character in there that might not be too savory somebody might take offense um, oh. it's crazy but that's why and I'm doing one with a real town right now. And I, it reminds me why I've never done it before. <laughs> and I won't do it again. Yeah. But when you're, all of that comes into play with characters. And people think, well, I'll just give that person a name and they're ready to go. No, it doesn't work that way for good characters. Yeah. Something else, you, you need to make that character so appealing and start that story in such an um a grabber place that you hooked readers by the on the first page, and it, one thing that irritates the living out of me is when somebody will hand me, "Oh, this is the best book," but you got to get for, through the first hundred pages first. Right? Ah, uh, no. Uh, uh. You got to get me on the first page, and when I'm reading manuscripts for people, that's what I'm always saying is. Let's rewrite the first part because yeah, that's where you're going to grab them. But that's where you're introducing characters and what is it you want them to know. Yeah. I have found that um, if I try to jump into the story quickly because I know the plot and the action and I still haven't quite figured out some of the characters and I try to use a placeholder name for the character, um, it does not really work for me. It kind of screws everything up. It does. And I've got one couple books that I couldn't figure out the name of the main character. And so um, I think it was second half. I renamed her three times. And, and so it wasn't until about the fifth chapter that I finally found myself settling on a name that worked. Right. So, and at this point I've named so many people that in all these characters through the years that, you know, I can created a small town. I mean, a town all itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, just in the numbers of characters but when you're when you're creating characters for your book I suggest that you do this for all this kind of work on the main characters especially your hero or heroine your your protagonist that's the most important person to know that well but okay. as you're studying people the the secondary characters can be equally important and nothing is more boring than cardboard, cardboard characters. And so you need to take the time to even make the walk-on characters something about them that's interesting. Yeah. And so this is, you know, this whole plot of characters and, and how many people you're going to have in the story. And a lot of that you don't know in the beginning. Yeah. Um, even if you're one of those people that very meticulously outlines everything and plans and plans, 
that that's a great idea, but be prepared for that story to change because you've created characters. This is their story and they're <laughs> going to tell it. And if you find that your book is getting slowed down and boring, guess what? You're probably trying to tell those characters what to do. Ah. And it's their story and they want to tell their own story. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy. People look at me when I say that, that I haven't written a lot, and they're going, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> really? Well, I don't know. It's a voice of experience speaking, and, and it's everything that I've learned. And so you're going to spend your life studying people. There's nothing more fascinating than, the, than human beings. Yeah, yeah. And all of these things that create us and help us become who we are. Yeah. And then in your story, those characters have to change to become even more so who they are destined to be. Right. And when you go into this, it's a good thing we don't know that we're going to have to know all of this in the beginning, because I think most of us would have run screaming out the door. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that after all. <laughs> But I love that. And I love watching people and putting people in situations and watching them. So my character needs to know what it is she wants. And then the next stage of plotting and the major thing is what gets in the way. Right. And that's what your whole plot is all about. My character wants such and such and what's going to get in the way and keep her from getting that. And often it's the other characters that are going to be in the way. So you've got to create good, good people to help people that story. And that's your job as a writer. Right. Now, you were talking about secondary characters, and uh, it reminded me of um, a movie that at first I did not like, and then somebody like, kind of forced me to see it again, and then I'm like, okay, now I know why I didn't like it at first and why I love it now. Um, the movie Returned to Me with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. Yep. The I one for secondary characters yeah. ever find. And the scene where she puts her hand up on the glass with the gorilla. Yeah. Oh, wipe out. And <laughs> yeah. so here's a strong character that was an animal. And then her big dog that sat at the doorway and waited for her. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. But the secondary characters in that are incredible. Yeah, and I really thought that they stole the show. I think that's why I didn't like it at first. Well, that could be. Yeah, you're probably right. Because, because yeah, the first time that I saw it, I was like, well, these two characters are kind of plain, but it's because the other characters are so amazing. Yeah, and, and colorful. Yeah, Colorful, yeah. Okay, so if it was, it was, um, if it was your books and you started coming up with some just really zany, fun, crazy characters, what's your suggestion on how to keep them from getting too big in the story and taking away from the hero heroine? Well, you know, Fanny Flagg is an author that I automatically think of when I think of secondary characters too. Um, and she does that very well, but um, you've got to watch for that. I mean, that is important. But you tell that character, I know, I'm not crazy, I promise, but you tell that character, it's okay, tone it down here, I'll give you your own book. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it works. <laughs> all right, all right, well, I'll, I'll definitely take that advice myself. <laughs> but you create good characters, Kitty. 
So you're on the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, they're good. They're fine. Okay, so so you're you're thinking about who your characters are going to be for quite some time. I mean, however much time that is, but sometime before you start writing the book and yeah. you're keeping track of all the little things that you're learning about them and coming up with them. And you're asking why and why not about all these different kinds of character traits that are, that are showing up on your page. Yes. And then you're um, asking, what does the character want? And then you're asking what gets in the way of them getting what they want in this book. Correct. Sounds right. <laughs> it does sound kind of simple, but I know it's not. You know, there's that old line, keep it simple, sweetheart. So <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, man. in fact, you're the first person that, uh, that I ever heard say sweetheart at the end instead of the other. Uh, I know, but I refuse to call somebody stupid. So um, keep, but keep it simple is critical. Yeah. It's principle. I love it. Yes. Lorraine, this is always so much fun talking with you. This has been delightful. Thank you so much. Well, listen, there's going to be people who want to know more about you. Um, so where can they find you online? And if there happens to be any places that you know that you're going to be teaching this year, it's um, February 2018 right now as we talk to each other. Uh, yeah, please let us know. Where can people find you? Well, the first place is Facebook with Lorraine Snelling Author. Okay. And, um, and so that's the first place to send, to send people. Um, website? Website is LorraineSnelling.com, and that's L-A-U-R-A-I-N-E-S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, I try to, you know, keep that changed, and usually... On that is a calendar of where I'm going to be. Oh, and, good. And so I just tell people to go there and look. And um, I, I put that kinds of things up on my Facebook page too when they're going to be happening. Okay. And it'll, I also announce things like when other books are coming out. The next one, which is um, book two in the series that I'm working on right now, which is set in northern Minnesota, so it's called Under Northern Lights. And the book, the second book will be out April 4th. The first one came out last fall. And, and this is a little bit of a, sort of a little bit of a spinoff from the Red Rivers in that it's a character um, that we meet early on in the Red River books, um, Ingeborg's cousin mm -hmm. is the grandma in the new series. And so it's her children. Ah. And they go to northern Minnesota to help a, fa to help a family member out. Okay. So I've, I've just finished writing the third book cool. and um, proposing a fourth on that one. So we'll see what happens. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I have to say that new series has caught my attention. Um, I have a friend who absolutely adores your books. And every time that's Christmas or birthday or whatever, I have to buy whatever is your newest book and give it to her. But I hadn't, um, you know, we've been moving a lot lately. And so I knew that you had a new book out, but I, I didn't have time to look at it because I was in the middle of moving. So I'm reading the back cover of book one in that series going, wait a minute. And then I like read chapter one. I'm like, darn it. I have to give it away because I, <laughs> I already had you <laughs> autograph it to her. But this series sounds so interesting to me. Well, I had to learn all about logging. Let me tell you, that's a far, a far difference from 
um, early farming days, which I already knew quite a bit about, but I learned a lot about logging and I am re refreshed in why I don't live in um, northern Minnesota. I <laughs> know uh, I don't like to be cold. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. And your books are available pretty much wherever people want to buy books. They are. Um, the sad thing is that Christian bookstores are dying off, but um, all the other bookstores are carrying, are carrying them. Amazon, CBD, which is Christian book distributors, are probably the two biggest ones. Okay. And then one of the Noble um, books is carrying, carrying it also. And I, I'm not sure on others, but those are um, places all the time. Excellent. Yes. And I'm grateful right. for that. I have been running a store out of my house, but for people that wanted autographed books, but we're pretty much closing that out just because um, it's just not financially wise anymore. So yeah, anyway. between the volume of books that you have in the first place and then the mailing. Yeah, take up half the garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who, needs, who needs to put your car in the garage anyway? That's where the books oh, are. Yeah. Wayne does. He <laughs> He doesn't like no space because of the books. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's one thing. If people want an autographed book from you, then they can uh, kind of try to hurry and see if you have any available of the ones that they want. So you can empty your garage so that Wayne can put the van back into it, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Right. Some of the publishers now are doing um, book sales too. And I know Bethany has... Um, a they're on, on their website, people can order books directly from them too. So oh. and then if somebody really wants an autograph, I love to do book plates and I, you know, ask and I'll send you book plates. Excellent. Perfect. Well, I might have to do that with some of my books of yours. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Maybe we, um, you'll have time to come back on and, and teach us some more stuff sometime. I hope so. Thanks a lot, Kitty.